Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. First, on every single tier, you get completely ad-free episodes, and you get a say in what topics I cover on my podcasts. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash CraigU. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. I would like to say welcome to four new patrons this week. Christy S., Elizabeth B., Tom L., and Robert D. Thank you for becoming patrons. I truly appreciate it. I also want to say thank you to Jonathan D., who left me a wonderful donation. And I will say that all donations and all Patreon support throughout the month of September will be going to the SBCA in honor of my best pal, Boris, who passed away a couple days ago. I just want to honor him with something, and I thought this would be a nice way to do it. Over the course of his life, Oron Yateka did many things. He was a scholar, a CEO, a statesman, an athlete, and a champion of women, children, and minority rights. Today I am looking at the fascinating man who is known as Burning Sky, Burning Cloud, and Peter Martin. As he never used the English name Peter Martin professionally or personally, I will refer to him as Oranyateka throughout this episode. Born on August 10, 1841 at the Six Nations of the Grand River near Brantford, Ontario, Oranyateka was the sixth son of Peter Martin and Linda Loft, and would be one of 18 to the couple. He was also the third cousin of famed Indigenous poet Pauline Johnson. The land he was born on had been granted to the Haudenosaunee Confederacy at 950,000 acres, but in 1847 it was cut down to only 48,000 acres. Oranyateka would be forced to attend the Mohawk Institute Residential School as a child, where he learned the skills of being a shoemaker. He was only able to return home for holidays twice a year, and he would run away from the school three times. He would then attend the Wilbraham Wesleyan Academy, and then moved on to Kenyon College in Ohio. He would joke years later that he was always first in his class because he was just grateful to sit down for a rest and study after he had finished his chores. Unfortunately, money was tight and he had to come back to Canada after two years in college. He began to teach in a school in a reserve near Bellevue. 
It's believed today that Oranyateka had a photographic memory, allowing him to complete his education quicker than those around him, and he would also take up acting and supported himself as a stage actor for a while. I want to talk about the Local History Atlas. This was created by one of my listeners, Ben Woodward, and it's fantastic. It's this wonderful website where you can see a, a Google Maps image of Canada, and you can visit all of the places in Canada. And within these places are my local history podcast episodes that you can listen to. And one of the great things about it is you can add to it. You can put your own pictures in. You can put your own information. It's creating this wonderful historical mosaic of Canada. And it's a wonderful website. Uh, I have the link in my show notes. But if you also want to visit yourself, it's atlas.digitalhistory.ca. And we can create this wonderful mosaic of Canada's history. All of us, you can learn about Canada's history. If you're going on a road trip, you can use this wonderful site to see where you're going and the amazing things that you can see. So be sure to check it out. When he was 20, he was selected by the Six Nations to give the welcoming address to the Prince of Wales during a visit to Canada and the United States. According to legend, Prince Edward was impressed with Oranyateka and urged him to attend Oxford. The Brantford newspaper described this meeting with a bit of dramatic flourish in 1909, stating, quote, Two 20-year-old lads stood facing each other on a Canadian Indian reservation one day in 1861, while around them crowded brilliantly uniformed officers, civic magnates, and gaily apparelled Indians. One of the boys was tall, slender, swarthy, and was clad in the full regalia of a Mohawk chief. The other boy, slim, light-haired, of medium height, and arrayed in the uniform of a British colonel." In reality, it was likely the physician of Prince Edward, Henry Ackland, who urged Oranyateka to attend Oxford, and correspondence between Ackland and Prince Edward seems to back this up. Ackland was a teacher at Oxford, and he would mentor Oranyateka, and the two would remain friends for their entire lives. Oranyateka's eldest son, Ackland, was also named for his friend. In May 1862, Oranyateka went to Oxford and met Outram Marshall, and the two became fast friends. Unfortunately, Oranyateka had to return to the Six Nations Reserve in June to clear his name on charges that had been made against him by a missionary named Abraham Nels. Back in Canada, Oranyateka married Carowina, also known as Ellen Hill. She was the great-granddaughter of Joseph Brandt, a famous chief in his own right. Together they would have six children, but only two survived to adulthood. Three children died early, while one son, Henry, drowned when the Victoria sank on Victoria Day near London, Ontario in 1881. I did an episode on that terrible event quite a while ago, actually. Oranyateka's wife would never recover from the loss of her son, and she would pass away in 1901. In 1863, Oranyateka enrolled in the Toronto School of Medicine and graduated in 1865 and earned his medical degree one year later, becoming the second Indigenous person in Canada to earn a medical degree. In 1866, he served with the Queen's own rifles at the Battle of Ridgeway against the Fenians, who were leading incursions into Canada. And for the next few years, Oranyateka would practice medicine in Frankfurt, Stratford, Napanee, Buffalo, and London, Ontario. In 1870, he was established in the medical community and would become the first secretary of the Hastings County Medical Association. In 1871, Oranyateka was a member of Canada's National Rifle Team, competing at Wimbledon, earning nine medals in the process. One year later, he helped campaign for the Conservative Party in the federal election in his local riding. 
This was when he met Prime Minister John A. Macdonald, who recommended that he be appointed as a consulting physician for the Mohawks at his local reserve. He took the position and moved to Napanee in 1873, where he built a house for his family. According to legend, Macdonald offered Oran Yateka a cabinet post, which he turned down. In 1874, Oran became the president of the Ground Council of Indian Chiefs, an organization made up of the Iroquois and Anishinaabe communities in Ontario. He would protest the Indian Act as leader, and he lobbied for the Indigenous people to gain the right to vote. He also felt that women should have the vote as well. The Montreal Gazette would report in 1885, quote, Dr. Oranyateka of London, a member of the Six Nation Indians, has addressed to the public a second letter on the subject of conferring the franchise upon the Indians, having the necessary proper qualification, in which he satisfactorily disposed of the objections made to the proposal. End quote. In his letter, Oranyateka would state that the Mohawk had the vote 15 to 20 years previous, but were forced to become, in his words, a white man, and they would petition to be restored to their previous indigenous status. He goes on to say, quote, for nearly 30 years, the government had been saying to us, become enfranchised and cease to be Indians and you can vote, with the result that of the 4,965 members of the Six Nations in Ontario, only one has left his people, end quote. One can associate the residential school system with tuberculosis and tuberculosis with the residential school system. We had Indigenous parents, communities, students, church employees, teachers, and individuals who are part of Indian Affairs, like Dr. Peter Henderson Bryce, giving their critiques in their own time. People hid when the tuberculosis screening came to their communities because they knew that the result of getting screened was that they, they could be taken away. I believe a lot of people were used, government officials who just thought they were doing the right thing. They were doing what they were told. First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples have already told our story. It's now time to tell the other side of the story. We need to take a serious look at the parts of the system from the past that we may be replicating today. I'm Maya Foster-Sanchez, and this is the story of a national crime. Coming this fall, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 1876, Oran would be granted a license to practice physic surgery and midwifery through the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. And while living in London, Ontario in 1878, Oran would attempt to join the Independent Order of the Foresters. The organization only allowed white men and orange men to join at the time. Arguing his case, Oran would say, quote, You see you do not understand the constitution of the order. What you have quoted was only intended to exclude who belonged to a race which was considered to be inferior to the white race, end quote. He would win his case and was admitted, and as it turned out, it would be the best decision the foresters would ever make. Oran Yateka would spend the next three years traveling around Ontario at his own expense to build up the organization. In 1881, he became the Supreme Chief Ranger of the Foresters, effectively the CEO of the organization, which provided insurance to its members. When he joined, the organization was $4,000 in debt and only had 369 members. He would hold the position for a record 26 years and completely revitalize the organization. He quickly introduced medical examinations for all would-be members, scrapped the assessment plan for the endowment scheme will, created regular premiums based on age, and built up the reserves. He also added a disability benefit, something that was essentially unheard of at the time. 
Eventually, Oren Yateka would abandon his medical practice in order to devote his energies completely to the organization. Oren Yateka had a flair for showmanship and that helped him gain fame, which allowed the foresters to prosper as well. Oren Yateka would claim to have a standing invite to visit Queen Victoria, for example. In 1899, Oren Yateka moved to Toronto to work at the headquarters of the foresters' organization. Living in Toronto, he would build a large house that still stands to this day. As a man who was 6 foot 3 tall and weighed over 250 pounds, the home was built for his large frame including 11 foot ceilings and 9 foot doors. Under the leadership of Oranyateka, the Foresters were able to become one of the wealthiest fraternal financial institutions in the British Empire. The Foresters headquarters was also, when it opened in 1897, the tallest building in the British Empire and it used electric lights and had a large electrical plant in the basement, as well as electric elevators. The cornerstone of the building was put down by the Earl of Aberdeen in 1895, the Governor General of Canada. The building was built with trisected brick firewalls and its baseboards were of sheet steel. All the wooden doors were sheathed in molten steel and high-pressure fire hydrants were mounted on the roof in case of a fire. Maclean's would write in 1951, quote, He dressed up an old-fashioned burial society with card games, cake, and coffee and built it into a rich insurance business in its own skyscraper, end quote. Oranyateka would also come up with a slogan for the organization, Insurance plus Fraternity. In 1894, he would write the history of the Independent Order of Foresters. And by the 1900s, the organization had grown from less than 400 members to a membership of 250,000 with an insurance fund worth over $10 million. Oranyateka would say in 1906, quote, We've money to burn and we burn it for the good of the order, end quote. While leading the Foresters, Oranyateka would establish one of the first museums in North America to be established by an indigenous person. Located at the corner of Bay and Richmond in Toronto, it lasted until just after the death of Oranyateka. Within, there were artifacts from the various indigenous peoples of Canada and other cultures around the world. In 1911, the artifacts would be transferred to the Royal Ontario Museum and became the founding collection for the museum. Throughout his life, Oren Yateka was a temperance advocate and he was a member of the American National Temperance Society and the Canadian Temperance Union. In the 1890s, Oren Yateka purchased land from his wife's family, a small island which he called Forester's Island. He built a second family home there and a place for the foresters to meet. It also included a bandstand, the Isle Hotel and cottages for guests and a wharf that boats from the mainland could dock at. Throughout his life, Oren Yateka became friends with many important politicians, including the aforementioned Sir Johnny MacDonald, Sir Wilfrid Laurier, President Theodore Roosevelt, and the Emperor of Japan. In 1902, he would attend the coronation of King Edward VII at Westminster Abbey. In 1904, Oren Yateka established an orphanage that would open in 1906, and he would consider this to be one of his proudest achievements. But sadly, he would not see it prosper. Oranyateka died shortly after establishing the orphanage on March 3, 1907, following a meeting with President Theodore Roosevelt. The Windsor Star wrote, quote, It is known that Dr. Oranyateka suffered for 10 years from heart failure, which was the cause of his death. He was fully aware of his condition, but gave no outward sign of his suffering, end quote. The Winnipeg Free Press Prairie Farmer would say of him, quote, Among the prominent men of Canada who have been important factors in the social, political, and financial progress and life of their country, None have taken such a unique position of distinction and have been more conspicuous than Dr. Orandateka. Upon his death, he would lay in state at Massey Hall, where 10,000 people came through to pay their respects to him. The Victoria Daily Times reported quote, 
The remains were escorted by an immense procession past the temple building in Massey Hall, where they will lie in state guarded by the royal foresters till Thursday morning, when they will be taken to Deseronto for interment at the old burying ground of the Mohawk Reserve. Oranyateca is honored extensively throughout Ontario. A plaque has been erected at Allen Gardens in Cabbage Town, where he lived in Toronto. A sculpture of Oranyateca can be found at the Foresters' headquarters. And in 2001, Parks Canada designated Oranyateca as a National Historic Person. As a biographer would state, he was, quote, one of the strongest and greatest builders of fraternalism in America, end quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Dr. Oranyateca. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Prignitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's Biography, CBC, Wikipedia, Diocese of Huron, Heritage Toronto, Kingston Week Standard, Halifax Evening Mail, Windsor Star, Winnipeg Free Press Farmer, Montreal Gazette, Kingston Week Standard, and The National Post. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.